How's everyone doing today? Great service so far. Love the presence of God that comes. Love that Spirit of God is still actively speaking to us today. Right? It's a dialogue. It's not a monologue. It's not lifeless worship. The Spirit of the Lord is here, and there's liberty, and there's freedom. And God just broke a bunch of stuff off you, so don't, don't take it with you today. Stay free from all that garbage. And if it's not broken, let him break it. Let him do it. If you don't know me, my name's James. I'm the worship pastor here. I'm also one of the teaching pastors. And I'm finishing uh, the series, as you saw the video there, God's Promises. If you have a bulletin, pull out this middle sheet. I'm really sorry for those of you that love fill-ins today. I kind of did your work for you. And I did this. I just created a graphic that I thought would be great for you to put on your fridge on your mirror, in your Bible somewhere. And this is the main point of the message today. Believe the promise, trust the process. And I'm going to share some personal testimony that's going to confirm that. And your memory verses there is Psalm 138. But before I dig into that, as is with my custom, I have some really terrible jokes I want to share with you. If you don't like them, blame the internet. But I always like to just break up the, the mood, lighten your hearts a little bit, so then, then when you least suspect it, God's conviction will pour deep down in there and change you. So that's my strategy, and I'm sticking with it. Did you know that people who buy turf for their yards don't have the patience to grow their own? It's because they want instant grassification. <laughs> I think the balcony liked that one. They say ignorance is bliss and patience is a virtue if you're dumb and don't mind waiting around. That's just too deep for some of y'all. I really can't wait for the upcoming seminar on patience. I can't wait. I just can't wait. I just can't wait. If you're wondering, and I'm sure you all are, why the newest edition of the Anger Management Dictionary still doesn't have the word patience in it, just wait. Just wait. Finally, if some of you had your patience tested, it would come back negative. Ouch. That's not good. No, 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 no. Know that God uses patience, and that's going to be a, a big part of this message today. So let's look at our key passage. No one got hurt by those jokes, right? Everyone's... Everyone's doing good. Let's look at our key passage in Psalm 138, verse 8. The Lord will perfect that which concerns me. Your mercy, O Lord, endures forever. Do not forsake the work of your hands. I'm going to read this in several uh, translations to get, to get a good picture of it here. The New Living. The Lord will work out his plans for my life. For your faithful love, O Lord, endures forever. Don't abandon me, for you made me. I want to comment on that one before we go. The last part of this, I love that the psalmist is just saying, hey, you started this thing. You started me. I'm counting on you not to abandon what you started. Like, don't. It's, it's your name. It's your reputation, God, that's on the line. And I just love the boldness of the psalmist here. And, I, and it's part of this confidence that I know God is going to perfect that which concerns me. I know he's going to take care of this and I'm going to put it back on him. It's his responsibility. 
The Lord will fulfill his purpose for me. Your steadfast love, O Lord, endures forever. Do not forsake the work of your hands. And then the New American Standard, the Lord will accomplish what concerns me. Your faithfulness, Lord, is everlasting. Do not abandon the work of your hands. He has not abandoned you today. He has not forgotten you. I want to talk about that phrase that gets translated concerns. It's kind of one Hebrew word that has a lot of ideas to it, and it gets translated into this phrase, what concerns me. But I want to encourage you with something today that don't think that that means God is perfecting everything that I or you have decided to fearfully worry about. Right? Take that, take that out of that. Because God's not interested in that. That's fear. That's from the enemy. That's not part of his perfect love, which casts out all fear. So it's not as though he's going to take your worry list and get that done. That's not what this is saying. If we get this right, we really understand, I don't have any concerns. I really don't. If I'm the Lord's, if I've trust him with my life in the process, then what should I be concerned about? What should I worry about? I don't need to tell God what to do. I just need to let him do what I know he will do. So let's look at this. The word concerns here actually more often really means about. About, meaning everything that is in, near, or around us. I love it when my wife and my daughter are around me when we're doing something together. They're in my immediate sphere. They're in my immediate circle, right? Everything near you, around you. God is working on everything about you. It also describes your story, your current journey. God is concerned about your story. And he's about your history, your past, about your present, about your future. God will perfect all those abouts in your life. Do you believe it today? If it describes us, if someone can describe it as touching you, if it's happened to you, even the bad stuff that he didn't cause, that he didn't bring about, even anything, anyone who's connected to you, your friends, friends of your friends, your family, your close family, your distant relatives, spiritually, generations past, God is working his perfect plan through it all. Isn't that amazing? And doesn't that blow your mind? He can go back in your past and reconcile and redeem something and realign it so that you are at peace and you are settled and you are healed in your future. And see, he wants to be involved in it. And we need to know today that he has us covered all around. Psalm 3, 3. But you, O Lord, are a shield about me. There's that word again, about me, my glory, and the lifter of my head. Psalm 512 says, for you bless the righteous person, O Lord. You surround him with favor as a shield. He's all around us. He wants to be in us. He wants to perfect all these things. So if we are about him, and sometimes we're not so much about him, we're about our lives, we're about our worries, we're about our cares, we're about our concerns, we're about our politics, we're about our, our economic fears, we're about our nation, etc. 
We need to be about him. We need to be about the Lord and the Lord only. If we're about him, if we're in him, if we're near him, and if we're involved in all that he's doing, and if he is our center and we are at the center of him, then he most certainly is about us. Isn't it frustrating when you want to be in someone's life and they seem to not want to have nothing to do with you? It's as though they're trying to just keep you out, trying to make you disappear. I wonder if God feels that way. Would we fail to keep him at the center? Would we fail to ask him how we should do what he wants us to do? We fail to pray about everything. Would we fail to look to him? So this particular passage, this word also has this nuance that gets translated into what concerns me. And it is literally the what of my life. The what of my life. Have you ever asked this question, what in the world is going on in my life? I have. What is going on here? Why does this look like a mess? Why did that person almost accidentally run me over on my morning jog the other day? What is going on? You start noticing a bunch of calamities start piling up. You start noticing the heat and pressure of the enemy start to get turned up. And don't you just want to know, what is going on? What is the deal? God wants to get a hold of your what. God wants to be involved in your what. But you have to let him have your what. You have to let him have it. Every question should be this. What should I do, Lord? Lord, what purpose do you want me to fulfill? Did you know the what is the vision of your life? It will propel you to where God wants you to be, but you have to ask that question and then let him be the what. Is anybody listening today? What is my purpose? The Lord is your purpose, and his purposes are your purposes. And then there's another aspect of this. We looked at what, we looked at about, we looked at what. And so this idea or aspect of for, for, F-O-R, what are you reaching for right now? What is your grasp trying to uh, attain uh, what are you looking for? What, what, where are your eyes directed? You ask the Lord, what, what on earth am I here for? I'm about to be 55, and the closer I get to, to growing older, you know, in the season of life and grace, I really have that question in my heart all the time. What am I here for, Lord? And then I have to turn it into a consecrated statement. I'm here for you, Lord. I'm here for you, even if I don't understand what's happening right now. I'm here for you. So I give it to you. And all of this, all that I'm talking about, just this idea of this phrase, it all has to do with our life is a process. Did you know your life is a process? Believe the promise, trust the process. Not your process, God's promise, God's process. Not the promises that the world will give you because they will fail, but the promises that the word of God gives you. 
Church, have you given him the process of your life? Have you given him the process of your life? Do you even realize when you walk with God that everything is a process and process takes time? When you first, and I, and I pray everyone here has confessed Jesus as their Lord and Savior, but when you first realize that the word of God is calling you to do that, what do you do? You confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. You're taking his promise and declaring it and you're believing it. And the very same thing that caused you to be a new creation in Christ Jesus, old things passed away, all things have become new. The very same process happens every time you get a hold of a revelation of the word of truth from the word of God. You have to believe it and you have to say it. You have to speak it. You have to declare it as though it is so, even though it doesn't look like it is so. And when you do that, don't you know the enemy's not just going to lay down and go, oh, there's another one that's saved. I can leave them alone now. I will give them no problems. Your problems just got quadrupled. But your God didn't change. And he's inviting you to a process, to a journey of life that's going to have ups and downs and challenges. But he wants you to trust him in the process. I was a young man... In high school, and God was trying very much to form me and prepare me for his future. He was trying to shape me and mold me. And as many young people uh, would attest, I wasn't having it. I just, I just didn't want any of it. I was a very rebellious teenager. I was, I was raised in a Christian home, but I hit a period of my life where I was pushing back against it. Uh, and I was definitely running away from God. I was a passive-aggressive kid, uh, emotionally insecure, highly sensitive introvert. I'm still a highly sensitive introvert, so don't send me critical emails. No, just kidding. That's fine. I can take it. I got thick skin. I've learned a few things over the years. But I was frustrated with the rules of religion of my faith. I was struggling to find affirmation. Do you know young people want to be affirmed? They want to connect with something meaningful. It's okay if you tell them the rules of the Bible, but show them that you want to engage in a relationship. You want to help them understand. You want to answer their hard questions. The answer isn't always just, oh, just believe it. And I didn't get a lot of that, and I was rebelling against that. And I was just looking for, for relevance in the church. And, and in my experience, it wasn't there. And, and on top of it all, I was a late bloomer, which is, is really hard for, for, I think, on boys. Uh, and so I was just crying out for significance. I was crying out for identity. And as a result of all that, nothing I can blame God on. It was my own cho chosen behavior. Uh, I got in a lot of trouble. I was... I did something uh, very bad and had to pay the price for it. And because of that uh, behavior, things that I valued at the time were removed from me. I was a great musician. I was a promising musician. I had scholarships to schools. I had all these accolades. And, and band was my life. You know, maybe athletics was your life. Maybe it was something else. Maybe it was academics. Band was my life. And they decided that they would take that from me because of what I did. So I was kicked out of band, and 
it was interesting that I had all these accolades and honors, but somehow they made sure that none of it showed up in the yearbook. So my pride was hurt. Uh, what I thought was, you know, going to be a promising future was kind of canceled. You see people get canceled today, talk about being canceled. And I, that didn't really do anything to help me want to get closer to God, but deep down he was working on my heart. I want you to know God's never done with you. If you have a teenager, amen. If you have a young person that's in all-out rebellion, they're just one heartbeat away from coming back to the Lord, and God is, is with them, and, he, and he's calling them. And deep down, they feel it. They may not act like it, but they feel it, and they know. And keep the prayers up. Keep the prayer pressure on. I prayed for, for uh, someone after first service. I'm praying with you, brother. I'm believing that your family is coming uh, for restoration. So anyway, I was in all-out rebellion, and thank God I had the sense just to, to listen to my parents, and they, they had me go to uh, a Christian concert, and it was after my senior year, and I went and heard the most powerful, anointed uh, trumpet player I've ever heard, and I was just overwhelmed by the goodness and the presence of the Lord, and that night I repented of my rebellious running from God and of, of my plans to go to the school I wanted to do and do the things I wanted to do, and I just gave my heart back to God, and I said, Lord, if you can do something with, with me, with my mess, however I am right now, um, I give it to you, and Lord, I just want you to get the glory for that. So this, this part of my story isn't necessarily that I found a promise and declared it, but what I did was repent in such a way that the Lord could do this in my life. He could now say, I'm going to perfect that which concerns you in a way that will blow your mind. And he did that. A few years later, I ended up playing on a live daily Christian television show and in an, an orchestra. I was the lead trombone player. My school was getting paid for uh, scholarships. Uh, another thing, cool thing happened. A, a friend of my dad's had a huge chunk of money. He said, I believe God wants me to sow this into your life. It was the exact amount that I needed to buy a professional uh, trombone that I didn't yet have. Yeah. Um, God just started doing this stuff. And it wasn't because I had my way, it's because I surrendered to, to his way. I ended up being a featured trombonist in all these recording sessions. Uh, I was in demand as a, as a hired trombone player. And all that happened just because I said, okay, Lord, this process is yours. So, th so that's what happened. Praise God for that. There was another season I'm going to share a lot of my testimony, and I do that to, to encourage you, because I know you have a story too, and I know some of you haven't reached the end of that story. You haven't reached the fulfillment of that promise, but I want to show you some fulfillments of the promises in my life and, and be an encouragement to you. It was in the late 90s. That seems like yesterday, but that's a long, long time ago. Some of you weren't even born yet. Christine and I moved to New Jersey, this very place we had a very rough first experience on staff at a church. And I like a knucklehead. Instead of letting God shape me, I resigned there because I was going to show them and that was not his plan. But we were hurting and I had gotten to a point in my life again where I was ready to just say, forget this music thing, it's not working out. I had this keyboard uh, that I really didn't 
play very well at the time. I had that for sale in the paper. I was teaching junior high band, and boy, did I hate that job. I was not shaped for that. Praise God, Jane. You're an excellent educator, and you're called to do it. And man, I just, I thank God for people like you. But that was not me. I was miserable. I was out of God's will. I was also trying to build a multi-level marketing business. Hey, great, if that's worked for you. That was not my thing either. It was not my shape. It wasn't, it wasn't working at all. And so we ended up coming here, and we just paid off our car. And guess what? Uh, it got totaled. Pulling out of the, the church offices down there when that used to be a mess over there by the old Dover Theater, and someone waved my wife through, and it wasn't clear, and, and there goes that car. And we had no insurance to pay for it. So here we literally are. We've got nothing. We're living in our parents' in-laws' basement. And I, could, I just thank you, Dad. Thank you for letting us stay. Thank you, Mom. What a blessing. He's like, if I would have known now what I know then, I don't know if I'd let you stay, right? <laughs> no, they're great. They're great. So we were there. We didn't have a penny to our name. And along comes one service we were here at night, and Chuck Davison, great brother in the Lord, great elder of this church, he just came up to me and shared the scripture with me. And I didn't even know what was happening. I'm like, why are you just quoting scripture to me? He didn't say anything, thus saith the Lord. He didn't say, have a word for you. He just looked square in my eyes and said, Joshua 21:45, There failed not out any good thing that the Lord spoke to the house of Israel. All came to pass. And wow. Because I was like... I was so unhappy at that time and so frustrated and just dying for, for someone to give me a word of hope. And that was it. And what I did was I printed that scripture out on the old dot matrix <laughs> printer. And I stuck it on that basement wall and it's still there to this day, isn't it? You haven't taken it down, have you? Everyone come to my mother-in-law's house and see the scripture. <laughs> Except we said this. My wife and I made it personal. We said, there failed not out any good thing that the Lord spoke to the Wheeler household. All came to pass. And we kept saying that, and we kept believing God, that that was his word. And we were serving here. We were serving faithfully here. We lived at the church. That's back when there was like seven services a week, and the doors were always open. Pastor Walt would preach for three hours, and the worship would go for two hours, and we didn't have anything to do but be at church. And God was shaping me and molding me and breaking me, then chiseling off the rough edges. And boy, I had a lot of them, and I still do have some. But within the space of two years after that, I had accepted a full-time position at a large church in Florida. We closed on our very first home, and we were driving our, it wasn't a brand new car. We bought a used car, but it was, it was a good car. And that happened because we believe God's promise. And now we just said, the process is yours, God. And so at that same time, 
that we're experiencing this great blessing. We're new homeowners. It's great. You know, we've got a car that works. People don't laugh when you drive down the road. And we had a Ford probe that was given to us. And you know what the paint jobs did on those cars? Did you ever see one? It just looked like someone poured acid on the front. It barely drove. I think the transmission must have just fallen out one day. And so we were riding in style with our 2000 Mitsubishi Gallant, man. It was like, we were blessed though. But yet our heart was still broken because you know what? All hadn't come to pass yet. We didn't have children of our own and we kept having miscarriages and we kept crying out to God. All this great stuff's happening, Lord, but what about this area? And I just remember one day in my, in my quiet time studying the word right there in the front room of that house and the sun shining through, Romans 4.20 became like three-dimensional. It just lifted off the pages and penetrated into my heart. And, and I felt like God said, you need to declare this verse and believe it in the midst of your heartache and pain. And it says this, Romans 4.20, Yet with respect to the promise of God, he did not waver in unbelief, but grew faith, grew in, strong in faith, giving glory to God, and being fully assured that what God had promised, he was able also to perform. There failed not out any good thing. Did you promise that to us, Lord? Are children a gift from you? Are they a good thing? Is that something you want for us? So what do you think I did? I grabbed a hold of that verse. We declared it. And guess what? Nothing happened. Nothing changed. That was in 2002, if you're keeping track. Our faith was being proven. It was being tested. It was being challenged. It was being contested by the enemy. And I want you to know that the enemy will try to contest the word of God. The enemy will fight to keep his blessing from coming to pass. And you need to fight for the word of God to come to pass. So now it's 2007. And it's another season. God had called us out from that place where we were. We had, I had decided to plant a church. It was called Renaissance Church. I pioneered that church. It wasn't a Though when sowed me, here's 300 people, you know, it was you, your wife, and zero. Okay, that's what we did. That's what kind of faith I had. And we moved, we sold our home, and uh, two things began to unfold. First, I, I had a good severance from the job I left, but that ran out. The whole time we're thinking, as soon as this church takes off, we'll, we'll be good. God will be providing. That ran out. Then every penny we had from selling that house ran out. And reality set in in a hurry. What you going to do? What are you going to do? Uh, and just then, how many of you remember what happened in 2008? The mortgage bubble burst. And it sent the economy into to a downward spiral. And forget it. It was tough to do anything. And here I went off and started a church. Probably in the worst economic uh, time we've had in, in recent history. And so what I ended up doing, I took a job as a landscape person doing maintenance at a, at a daycare I was pastoring the church, and Christine was teaching at a preschool, early learning center. And life was very hard for us, and our heart ached for children. And the church I started grew to like 20 or 30, and it was great, but it wasn't what I envisioned. But you know what I did? 
I said, we're going to do what we always do. We're going to find something in the Word that says this situation isn't our destiny. And I, I got a couple scriptures. I want to share those specifically with you. And what I did was print those out on the mirror and put some declarations. It was 1 Corinthians 9.14. In the same way, the Lord has commanded that those who preach the gospel should receive their living from the gospel. Do you know what a revelation and encouragement that was to me? Here I was pastoring a church and I wasn't able to make ends meet. And I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. Look what you said here in your word, Lord. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to call upon you and this is going to come to pass. First Timothy 5.18, for scripture says, do not muzzle an ox while it is treading out the grain and the worker deserves his wages. There's a huge portion of scripture where Paul talks about what that's about and why that is true. And so we wrote declarations on, the, on that mirror and that said, we're going to live a life of blessing in full-time ministry and God will provide everything we need. And we declared that and with the, this next verse being the the qualifier, Proverbs 10:22, the blessing of the Lord makes one rich and he adds no sorrow to it. You know what that meant for me? I'm not getting six side jobs. I'm not going to try to work my guts out. I'm not going to try to figure out some scheme. I'm not going to try to manipulate people. I'm not going to drop hints everywhere I go. You know, I'm a little short on cash. But I'm not going to do that. I'm going to say, this is your word. I'm going to set my hand to what you've asked me to do, Lord, and you're going to perform it. I'm going to believe that these are promises, and I'm going to trust your process. And we did that. And still things weren't changing. We weren't being financially blessed and we were barren. And so it was during that season, though, God had us uniquely positioned. Don't ever, I don't know how to say this, just don't despise where you are. God knows where you are. And he's working something out. And if you try to run from that, sometimes you just... You're just running from what he wanted to do in that spot. I feel like believers half the time just make God keep chasing them from spot to spot. And just, you know, just when I started to do what I wanted to do in your life, you up and jump the gun. Because you had to get all yuppity about what, what your dreams and your plans are. Just stay there. So we stayed in that season. And we found a new uh, fertility doctor. Praise God for that that doctor because we lived in Claremont that's where we went and they just did some blood tests and they found out that Christine had two genetic uh, markers that just they made it difficult for her to 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 have a full pregnancy they would they would miscarriage because you were over clotting right that was the deal over blood clotting and so here here was God's miracle take baby aspirin to thin your blood, and it wasn't right away. She reminded me, I, I misspoke. It wasn't right away, but it wasn't too long after that that she finally did get pregnant. Praise God. <laughs> and, uh, and it wasn't easy. I mean, she still had to take blood thinning shots the whole pregnancy. But if you see our daughter, uh, Allegra, she's 13 years old now. Yeah. So she's our Romans 420. And I know that God has a Romans 420 for you. I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's children. I don't know if it's your bank account. I don't know if it's a broken relationship. I don't know if it's your marriage that's falling apart. 
but he has one for you if you will believe the promise and trust the process. And so all through our lives, we learn something. And I want to make sure we understand this. Because when, sometimes when people give the testimony, it sounds like, oh, it's just a, everything happens for you. You just go out there and miraculously, you're a pastor, your pants just jump on your body and traffic parts the waters when you drive down. Like, no, <laughs> life is really hard for us just like you. And we have to declare the word of God and we have to stay faithful in what he's asked us to do. And so James 1, verse 3 and 4 says, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. If you feel like you don't have patience, that's a good sign. God's developing it in you. But let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect to complete, lacking nothing. Let God do what he wants to do. Let him form it in you. Let, it, let him complete it in you. It's going to take some time. And yes, there are suddenlies, but those suddenlies are usually the result of a long season of prayer, sowing seed, right? Harvest. You don't plant a kernel of corn and the next day you get the full stock. That's just not the way it works and that's not how God works. So stay through it. I want to encourage you today. Are you encouraged by these testimonies from my life today? And hey, I'm a work in progress. God's not done with me. I'm just sharing what he's done so far. Um, Romans 4.20, that's a life verse for me. Allegra is the fruit of our faith. And part of that verse talks about giving glory to God. Abraham gave glory to God, even though he didn't see the promise. Going back to the late 90s when we were in my parents' home, uh, the seeds that, I've, I'm ex that I, I sowed seeds in that season that are coming to harvest just now. So what year is it? 2023, right? So 1998 to 2023. All you math whiz is that's, that's a good bit, right? It's a good while. So understand that when you declare the word, that those declarations you make from Scripture, they don't have an expiration date. They will keep coming and keep coming and keep unfolding in a new season, in a new season. Where the devil says, oh, you're done, you're done for, God's done, no, no, no. That word you declared is going to keep coming back and keep coming back. That's going to continue to harvest season after season after season. I can remember like it was yesterday, and it wasn't yesterday. You know how long it was. I would uh, drive all the way from Brick uh, in my beat-up car. We also had a, a Ford uh, Tempo stick shift white. That thing was, that was a beauty to behold. <laughs> like the air condition never worked. What's that? Well, the good thing about that is, yeah, God, God gave us those cars, but he wanted us to grow, I guess, in our faith of what to believe him for anyway. So I'd drive, I'd drive her down to the, to the office on 37 and drop her off um, where the Dover Theater used to be. And I went to my job at the medical supply warehouse, another job I hated with a passion, I want you to know. <laughs> but I was the best at it. I said, I'm going to be great at this job. And it'll be great at. Uh, and my bosses weren't sympathetic to the fact that I was a believer. And that's a whole other story. But I just said, I'm going to do the best I can. Um, 
And I excelled while, while I was in God's waiting room. And this is a word for some of you. If you're in a season where you feel like, like you're in jail, like Joseph was, you've been sold up the river, you, you, you're in a season where it's just like dry, wilderness, desert, just preach and prophesy to the other prisoners while you're there. Make the most of it. Don't complain. Don't bemoan. Don't let everyone know how horrible your life is. Just dig in and say, let, I know that the trying of my faith is going to work patience. Be diligent. Be humble. Be generous. Be grateful. I'm trying to get everything I wrote down here because it's important. But every day in that season, and I want you to know what you, would you hear me minister on the keyboard now? And a lot of people seem to think that's really anointed, and I can only say glory to God for that. That's, that's not me. That's God. Would you hear that in this particular season before? I couldn't do that. I couldn't play. I couldn't sing. I really didn't sing hardly at all. But after I would drop her off, and in the many agonizing, lonely times in that warehouse, I would say, God, would you increase my anointing? God, would you use me for your glory, Lord? Because I couldn't really play and sing, but I would have dreams where I was doing it. I would just see myself doing it, and I would wake up, and I'd say, I can't do that, God. But will you do that? Will you do that for me? And it did take a lot of practice. I'm not going to lie about that. But I asked him to anoint me for his service. Now, I want you to put together all the stories I've shared so far and all the scriptures, and I want you to think about who you see before you today. Here I am. I'm a worship pastor at the Church of Grace and Peace, something I never thought would happen when I was here before. I'm the worship pastor. I lead worship from the keyboard. I, I build and release worship teams here. I get to preach sermons. I'm so thankful. Thank you, Pastor Jim, for trusting me to share Thank you, Pastor Walt. I get to baptize new believers where they say yes to the Lord and they go in the waters of baptism. I get to perform weddings. I get to dedicate children. I get to help even do strategic planning at this church. I get to counsel. I get to disciple people. That's vocational ministry. That's the scriptures on the mirror in our little rental house in Groveland coming to pass. Do you realize that? That's God honoring his word and bringing it to pass. After we sold that first home back in 2007, we never had a home after that until just, was it two years now we closed on this house? God, God got us another house here in New Jersey. Praise God. Will you give him some praise for that? The two cars we have are completely paid for. Yep. And I can honestly say God has richly blessed me and he's added no sorrow to it. Praise God. All from Joshua 2145 from 1998 in the, the basement of my mother and father-in-law. And I want to tell you, there's still some good things that I believe in God are gonna, God's going to do. And I'm not letting go of that. I want to tell you that I get to travel around the world and play my trombone for the Lord on mission trips. And do you know what? God pays for every one of those trips. I'm never lacking. I mean, talk about from the 
rebellious kid who gives his heart to God, it all comes together. The story all comes to full fruition. This last trip I went to South Africa, I felt like the Lord asked me to give, donate two trombones to these kids in these schools where they can't afford them. It was my dad's horn that I started playing on that I had refurbished. It was very precious to me. And it was another horn. By the way, God just always gives me trombones, okay? Because that's his call on my life. See, he provides for vision. So I, I sowed those, and many of you pray, prayed and laid hands on those in this very sanctuary, and thank you for that. I know that God is going to take that anointing that's in my life and raise some other young person up to be a musician for his glory. So I sow those, and I come back, and I all of a sudden have this huge desire for a new horn. And I knew the one I had, it was, it's a good professional horn, but I've played it for like 30 years. And I was at a ceiling on it. I, I knew I could do better. So I had these horns um, sent to my house. I tried these three horns. And uh, I was telling Christine about this. And I was like, well, maybe there's a way we could maybe work a payment plan. She's like, no, nope. God, God always provides your horns and he's going to provide for this one. And she was right. So I sent those back and I said, Lord, how, how are you going to do this? And I won't go into the details, but Friday night I played my brand new trombone here at the worship night. And that, that instrument is beautiful. It's like a dream horn for me. And, and God just did it. He just did it. Do you think he honors his word for his people? So praise God. Praise God. My question for you today, listening, watching, hearing, what promise are you declaring? It's not enough to know them. What's going on in your life? You need to start declaring those promises. Trust him in the process. Are you listening and obedient to what he's saying to you? Some of you just need to obey what he's told you to do. Are you living to be a blessing to others? If you're declaring his word, are you trying to be a vehicle for him to perform his word to someone else? That's key. None of this stuff happened in my life because I just sat around and felt entitled. We always have given, we've always have sowed, we've always have given our lives away to the point of exhaustion for the sake of the gospel. And that's what you need to do. And that's my question for you. In Philippians 1.6, if that's the case, I am confident of this very good thing, that he who began a good work among you will complete it by the day of Christ Jesus. I know Psalm 138.8 will be true for you. I know that God will perfect that which concerns you. I know he will work out his plans and his purpose for your life. And I want to ask you, we have prayer at the altars. A couple things uh, before I close. Please come see us in the welcome room if you're new. Newer here first couple times. Uh, honestly, we're really nice people. We won't hurt you. We just want to say hello. Um, take uh, also outside is, is Fellowship Sunday. Lots of great food. Come make connection with someone. But come down here for prayer. We have trained, anointed altar workers and pastors that will pray with you. You might be thinking, that's great for you, Pastor James, but nothing has happened for me. And you just need to be encouraged. You just need to be encouraged and loved on. We want to do that. You might have a specific area in your life. Let us agree with you. Let us declare that same 
scripture that you're standing on and then let's talk in six months let's talk in a year let's let's hear the testimony of what God has done we're doing some videotape testimonies pretty soon you're going to start seeing those because we want you to be encouraged by what God is doing in the lives of the believers here did you get anything out of that today All right, well, let me just seal it with a prayer, and then you'll be released. Come receive uh, prayer today and enjoy the food and fellowship. Father, I know that your word is true, and because I've experienced it, no one can take that from me, God. And I pray that if there's anyone here that just still doesn't believe it, doesn't have the revelation that your word is true, and it will come to pass on their behalf, God, just overwhelm them today with the reality of your word, the reality of your presence, the truth of your goodness, God, that they will see the goodness of God in the land of the living, that you haven't forsaken us, you haven't forgotten us, but that you are good and your mercy endures forever. And that in these last days when you're pouring out your spirit, when the whole world seems like it's going crazy, that you are calling all men back to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, that in this end time revival, Lord, we should be living lives that are demonstration. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Come experience the goodness of God. So just encourage every heart that's discouraged today. Lord, I pray that the enemy would not be able to steal the seed that's been sowed. And I pray that it would produce a harvest. And I ask you these things in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you all.